Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? January 23rd edition of the Fightful MMA Podcast. My name is Showdown Joe. You can follow me online at Showdown Joe. Just so you guys all know, uh, I am joined by Adam Martin, the show, and I told Adam right before we went on the air that he may have to run this whole show because I am an absolute mess. Uh, not with the time zone change, but if anyone follows my social media, most specifically my Twitter, uh, it, it, it was an absolute nightmare coming home uh, from Miami. And for those that don't know, I do live uh, just north of Toronto. It's a three-hour direct flight. Uh, and I left my hotel room at 5 a.m. I didn't get back to Toronto till 8 p.m. at night. So a um, bit of a disaster, but that's the, the luxuries of working in the mixed martial arts world when you're traveling. It's not all great, but it's a lot of fun. But we'll get into that a little bit later on. Uh, but I'm always pleased to be joined. Uh, and hopefully we can get Adam here every single Monday, 10 a.m., uh, bright and early, so we can recap what happened in the world of mixed martial arts. Adam, what's going on, my man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Glad to be back on the show, man. Uh, I did, unlike you, I had a pretty relaxing weekend. Just watched a lot of sports. Bellator, Mate, Toronto Maple Leafs. They they lost uh, some some pretty good football games yesterday. A couple blowouts actually, but uh, overall it's pretty good weekend, man. I saw your tweets talking about your uh, your flight, so I feel bad for you, but. Uh, I can't really relate, man. To be honest with you, I didn't really leave my house. <laughs> no, well, listen, it's it's people say that, right? And and I and I really appreciate it. I get a lot of love on social media, and you know they feel bad for you. The reality is this, okay? It's first world problems. Yeah. The, the reality is, when you're on a plane, okay, you're sitting in a chair in the sky. That is cool, okay? That is super cool. That's the, you should never be complaining about that. I don't complain about that. My issue is my brain is at home when I've got – I had a birthday dinner uh, to attend to last night. And I was completely expected to, you know, bust my tail calling Titan FC. Uh, I know the show ends around midnight. One, this, this one ended early because it got cut down to seven fights, unfortunately. But it ended early. But I still had to catch my flight first thing in the morning at 7.30 a.m. So I had to be in the lobby by 5 a.m. Didn't get to the hotel until 1.30 a.m. So you're fatigued. You're tired. And you just, you just want to get – Honestly, you want to get to the airport, you want to get on your flight, you want to get home. Turned out I had to get a connection. I get the connection, no problem. I land, 
okay, now I got an hour and a half to kill. Like, you know, my brain's still at home. I say, what can I do here? Well, let me see. Can I watch Tito versus Chael now? Blah, blah, blah. And then I'm told my flight gets delayed. But you got to go get your luggage. You got to go to another terminal. And I got to wait two hours to get my luggage. Then I got to go. It was just a mess. And by the time I got home, I was just so rattled that this morning, uh, as you know, I'm a father. I got to take my son to school uh, every morning. Uh, so I got my alarm set, 7 a.m., wake up, freshen up, get him ready, take him to school. My alarm went off. I thought it said 4 a.m. So I hit. I didn't hit snooze. I hit stop. Oh, man. My wife comes in. It's 7.40. What are you doing? I'm like, 7.40, right? I jump up, and I'm like, oh, my God. So I was a bit rattled, and then I just said, you know what? Get him to school. Come home. Uh, freshen up. Shower up. Watch. I got a chance to watch Tito and Chael. Um, you know, and, and I read some of the stuff online, and people are screaming fix, that it was a fix. I saw Chael's face. I mean, was that choke in? No. Looks like a crank to me, but Chael's face went purple. Okay, but you can make the argument. I understand what people are saying it's a fix. There was no money in there, or there was no, I believe there's no win bonus. But what are your thoughts on how that whole main event went down? Yeah, you know, that's uh, it's been a very common thing on, on Twitter the last couple of days. Everyone's saying fix, but uh, people said the same thing about uh, Ken Shamrock when he fought Hoist Gracie and when Ken Shamrock fought Kimbo. I just think it's a Bellator thing. People like to, when there's an upset in Bellator, people will say they're a fix. I didn't see it that way, man. I mean, first off, I don't really see why they would have fixed it because Tito, Tito retired anyway. So, like, what benefit would that have for Bellator? You know what I mean? If anything, they would want Chael to win the fight because he's going to at least fight Vonderlei probably next. As far as the fight goes, um, you know what? It was actually kind of a fun fight for the two minutes it lasted. But, man, Chael's stunning. Okay, he showed up in terrible shape. Um, he said during his interviews, you know, training camp was very, really hard for him. Remember, this is a guy who admitted he used like every PED in the book. He wasn't he wasn't using PEDs anymore. He looked like garbage. He looked terrible. He had about one minute of cardio, Joe, and then completely just faded. Um, so I think that was a, that played a huge part. He just wasn't in shape. The second and most important thing, though, I think, is T. Ortiz is a huge light heavyweight, and Chael Sonnen is a guy who fought most of his career in middleweight. Tito's extremely strong, dude. He has an underrated submission game. He tapped out Ryan Bader. He's tapped out a lot of guys. It wasn't a rear naked choke. I agree with you completely there. When people were saying it was a rear naked choke, I watched it. I saw it. It looked like a neck crank or a face crank. There's no way the choke was sunk in. Having said that, Chael was looking for a way out. This is a guy who's been submitted, I believe, eight times now in his career. He's been finished 13 times, Joe. He's a guy who looks for a way out in fights. I'm not surprised at all he got finished in this fight. He was just there for a paycheck, like you mentioned, and I mentioned as well on my social media. He had no win bonus. He had no incentive to win the fight. So he went in there, collected his $50,000 disclosed purse, probably got some extra money from Bellator uh, as well that wasn't disclosed. And he went home like a happy man. He had no injuries. And he's going to probably fight Vonderly Silver or I don't know who else is who else is uh, available for him. But he's going to have another fight in a few months. He's completely healthy. He's ready to go. And Tito went on a high note. So if anything, it worked, worked out really well for Tito. It worked out for Chael. Was it the best fight? No, but uh, I don't think it was fixed. Yeah, I, I, I don't believe it was fixed. I mean – the first time, the first thing that goes through my mind when someone says, or I read a lot of it's fixed or something looks shady, I start looking at the bookmakers and I start looking at any tweets and or uh, information that gets out that, wait a second, lots of money had just recently come in on Tito Ortiz 
or lots of money has come on a specific fighter, whether favorite, whether underdog or not, chances are it's going to be an underdog. That's when I start paying close attention. But uh, I'm not that well connected uh, in the odds world or, or in the bookie world to, to know that, hey, wait a second, we just got you know $100,000 on Tito Ortiz right now. Something, something seems really fishy here. That's when I would raise an eyebrow, right? Because then a guy would throw a fight, even though he's making 50000 I mean, this is stuff that I had heard uh, in the early world, earlier times of mixed martial arts where you know heavy favorites going in there and he's just about to destroy a guy and then all of a sudden loses in a questionable manner uh, and then he's got a brand new car a couple days later. Just It's an example, yeah. okay? Um, then I could think about a fix. Uh, we're not talking about what the, the early days of what happened in Japan where there was a lot of works uh, and stuff like that. That that I can understand. And this is a different story. Remember, like, Bellator has deals with, with casinos here, okay? They, they, they can't mess this up. Okay, they're, they're, you don't want some sort of investigation uh, stuff like that where they could lose, uh, you know, a lot of money. They could lose credibility. You got Viacom behind them, so I don't, I don't see there being a fix. Although, technically, it has nothing to do with Bellator if a guy like Chael was to throw this fight. In, in me knowing Chael, Chael's an interesting character. Okay, he's, 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 you know, you say he's looking for a way out. I could probably buy that argument, uh, but I know he's a competitor. Uh, I know he does a fantastic job in selling every single fight, and I know he mans up when he loses. He gets on the microphone, and he says what he has to say. Totally understand that. Totally get that. I just think, mentally, he wasn't, he wasn't there at the moment. I mean, the fact that Tino got that takedown so quickly was just baffling to me. I thought for sure, like, you know, Chelsea has been taken down, but not that easily. Uh, so that was kind of weird, but then he was able to to turn it around. And then, you know, like you said, the cardio seemed a little bit suspect, but I expected more from Chael in this fight. I said Chael, or I predicted in this matchup, Chael was going to win this fight. And, you know, but it is mixed martial arts. And Tito constantly over and over again continues to pull off what I call this MMA magic. I mean, that Ryan Bader fight was one that stunned us all. I remember in that interview when I did it before the fight with Ryan Bader, uh, I flat out said to him, I said, look, people are saying you're done. And he misconstrued that in his post-fight interview. He said, I did an interview with Showdown Joe, and Showdown Joe said I was done. And I was like, no, 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 no. I never said that. No, no, no. Right? So, you know, Tito, listen, Tito's played his fair share of practical jokes on me. So I got lots of uh, retribution set up for Tito Ortiz now that he's potentially retired. Um, you think he's retired, though? You think he's done, or is he going to come back soon? I was just going to say, Joe, that, I believe that fight was in 2011. The Bader and Tito fight. It's 2017 now. So this guy's been pulling these the rabbit out of the hat for the last six years somehow. I don't know how he keeps doing it. You know, he's he's retired a few times now. He just turned 41. Uh, actually, I think today is his birthday. So I think he's 41 or 42 today, I should say. So he's older. He's an older guy. But, uh, I, I, you know, I'm not buying the retirement thing, to be completely honest with you. I don't think he needs the money necessarily. The guy's obviously got a lot of money. He's a smart businessman. You know, he's made, he's he's a great promoter of this fight, so he's made a lot of money in his career. But the thing is, Joe, honestly, I, like you mentioned, Chael's a competitor. Tito's a competitor, too. And in a few years, I could definitely see him coming back out of retirement. And there's going to be a lot of fights in Bellator for him. There's a lot of money fights for Tito and Bellator still. I think a fight with Fedor and, and Tito is a big fight. Um, oh, no, that's think, nice. Okay, yeah. yeah. I think right. it's a big fight. I think Rampage versus Tito is a big fight. That was supposed to happen on pay-per-view. The pay-per-view got canceled at the last second. Um, I think... Uh, Scott Coker mentioned on the weekend, hey, we're, we just sent a, a contract offer to Ryan Bader. We're waiting to see what Ryan Bader says. Imagine they sign Ryan Bader, rematch with Tito and Bader. There's options for Tito. So I know he did, said when he retired, he had his son um, put the gloves on the on the canvas in the cage, which I thought was a really cool gesture. But I, I just knowing Tito, I think he's going to come out of retirement at some point. I'm, I'm not saying maybe 
within the next six months or a year, but maybe in two years down the road. But like I said, I think there's a lot of fights, man. And, and Joe, Joe, you've been in this for for a long time. When is a guy who retired actually stay retired? It's very rare, very, very rare. Like even look at Fedor. He's come out of retirement a few times himself. So, I, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? you think he's going to come back? Um, I'm, I'm leaning towards yes. And I, I wrote an article for Fightful MMA specifically talking about this. And the article is basically entitled, we, want, we Just Want a Fair Fight. And what I was trying to explain in that fight there, it goes back to you know our conversation and, and every guest I had on last week about BJ Penn, Tito Ortiz, Chael Sonnen. Uh, Shogun Hua, Anderson Silva, uh, other guys, you know, even a Uriah Faber as an example. Uh, these guys, you know, they're, they're, they, some of them hang up their gloves for good and they do walk away. But there's still lots of fight in them. And sometimes they just don't want to walk away. They do want to continue competing. And I think there is space for people like that to continue fighting in mixed martial arts. And again, personally, I would rather see them leave the sport, you know, keep their, 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 all the damage that they do get uh, in competition and in training in check. Keep it where it is right now. Let it go sort of thing. But if they want to continue fighting, all that we ask for, and I say we, guys like yourself, myself, uh, all the staff at Fightful MMA, I think every media member, of the well, I shouldn't say every media member because that'd be wrong, but the vast majority of media member, most of the fans, is that we just want a fair fight. If, if these guys who are no longer number one, because my mentality, before I wrote this article, literally I had this sort of epiphany uh, last week or just, just, just in around the BJ Penn fight where I said, you know what? Once somebody makes it to the very top, the apex, the very top of the mountain in mixed martial arts, your Anderson Silva, pound for pound, your greatest of all time, uh, the George St. Pierre's, the whomever, once they get to the top, they stay at the top, but then eventually Father Time gets them because they're not going to retire at the top. So what they do is they lose their title or they lose their, their luster and they start moving down and they start getting knocked down further and further and further. And that's mainly because they continue to fight these hungry lions and the hungry lions are much faster because speed goes in a fighter as they age. Their power stays, but if you can't land that power it's going to do nothing for you. It's the speed that lands. So these older fighters lose their speed, but their power is still there. But there's lots of older fighters as well. So when I say I just want a fair fight, forget about giving these guys that are former champions that have now lost one or two fights against up-and-coming contenders. That's it, okay? No more no more, cha- no more contender fights. Bring them to a level where they're competing against other guys like, like BJ Penn versus Dennis Seaver. Yeah, BJ Penn versus Cole Miller, uh, Tito Ortiz, Chael Sonnen. That to me is those are fair fights. They don't mean anything in the rankings. They don't mean anything technically speaking for contender fights uh, for most organizations. But people do want to see them fight, and I just want to see a fair fight. When we're talking about fighters that used to compete at an elite level are no longer elite, still have a name, but still have fight left in them, and, and they don't they don't want to leave just yet. No, I agree completely with you, and, and that's something I do like about Belter. They have this this almost quasi-legends division right now where they have all these guys like Tito, Chael, Shamrock, Gracie. You know, sure, like you mentioned, Joe, we don't want to see these guys getting beat up and hurt by a hungry, hungry young lion like Yair Rodriguez first BJ Penn, for instance. But if they're fighting each other and they want to fight, I mean, really, what's the harm? And I think Bellator is doing some pretty good ratings for these fights. So um, if they're if some of these older guys are going to fight, I'm totally fine with them fighting each other. I just don't want to see, like, like last week we, we talked about, I ranted about the UFC booking Yair Rodriguez for Speed Japan, which to me is like borderline criminal. You know what I mean? So, um, but if they're going to do like Tito Ortiz or Chael, two guys that are well past their prime, over 40 years of age, that's that's fine with me. So I agree with what you're saying. Then again, you got Miracle Crow Cop doing what he did at Ryzen. Yeah, yeah, well, 
I think he's allowed to use his uh, his magic pills again, right? So. Uh, yeah, well, okay. All right. Yep, yep. We won't go there. All right. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> um, in terms of the rest of the Bellator card, uh, I didn't have a chance to watch all the fights, uh, right. but your assessment of what went down um, in the cage at Bellator? Well, I thought the Paul Daly and Brandon Ward fight had a pretty crazy ending there. Paul Daly uh, got the knockout with a spinning back elbow followed by a flying knee, which was absolutely brutal. Um, vicious knockout. Brandon Ward went down to the canvas very quickly. Definitely one of the best knockouts. Well, I mean, it's, it's only three weeks into the year, but it's, it's going to be on that highlights of the, of the year in the, uh, the at the end of 2017. It was just one of those devastating KOs. Uh, the only thing I, I would say is, as soon as that fight ended, I was thinking to myself, and I wrote on Twitter, I was like, I really want to see Paul Daly fight Michael Venom Page. I think that fight makes so much sense. You do that fight as a main event in London for the next Bellator card coming up. Makes perfect sense. But then Bellator is like, no, like you know, we, we want to do Rory McDonald versus Paul Daly. That's a that's a good fight, Joe, but I, I'd, I'd rather see Rory McDonald versus Douglas Lima for the title, personally. I want to see that fight. I think... You do Rory versus Lima and MVP versus Daly. Those are two, like you say, fair fights, two extremely competitive fights. So I'd like to see the, those two fights. And um, as far as the rest of the card goes, man, that – that okay, I've been hyping up Hisaki Kato for a while. The guy had a knockout of Joe Schilling in Bellator. Then they went and fought in glory uh, – not in glory, excuse me. It was a glory? Um, yeah, it was glory, right? And then he KO'd him there too. So, I mean, uh, man – this guy's got some serious KO power, but then he goes in there and fights Halleck Gracie, and he's just scared of getting taken down. Yeah. He basically ran away for 50 minutes, got the win because he won the first two rounds barely, but absolutely terrible fight. And uh, what was the other fight? Campos versus Derek Anderson. I, I, you know, these guys are – they need contenders for Michael Chandler. I guess Derek Campos could be a, a guy that fights him down the road. We'll see. The one one prelim I do want to mention is uh, was the Chinzo Machida fight. Leoto's, uh, I believe he's an older, he's old, Leoto's older brother, actually. I think he's one year older than Leoto. He only has like five fights because he took, he took about 10 years off the game. He was training at Black House. I believe he's an instructor there. So he was getting absolutely out grappled by some guy I've never even heard of, to be honest with you. I wish I knew the guy's name, but he's just getting out grappled. He's down uh, 2018 going in the third round. And, and in the third round, he's losing too. And then with about one minute left, the other guy starts gassing out completely, and and he starts laying some punt, uh, some strikes, some some head a clean head kick, and then followed up by with a straight right that just dropped the guy. So he's forty years old, Joe, but he's a he's a guy I like enjoy watching, and uh, he didn't look great in the fight, but he had that nice comeback knuckle. So those are my takeaways from the card overall. Not not the best effort from Bellator on paper. It looked like a pretty good card, didn't play out that way, but you never you really never know until the fighters step in the cage how the fights are going to go. So. That's why it is an all-mixed martial arts, so I tell people all the time, uh, and this goes back to the very first time, this was really a big headline topic, and it was when Rashad Evans took on Tiago Silva in the main event, and that's when really people were just ripping apart the UFC, uh, and, and it was one of those cards that was actually fantastic. Uh, so I tell people all the time, even the Toronto card, the last the, the card here in December for the UFC, people ripped it apart, it's garbage, I'm never going to tune in, I'm not going to show up, blah, 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 and what do you know, you get probably the best card uh, of 2016. So yeah. let the fighters fight. Uh, yeah. Sometimes the name value is not there. Sometimes you want that big pay-per-view draw or whatever it is. Listen, let the let the guys fight. I mean, you look at Titan. Titan this past weekend was fantastic. We'll get to that uh, just momentarily. I know I don't, I don't think you had a chance to watch it, but we'll get to, get to watch it. I was watching Bellator, so sorry, Joe. I know you were commentating it, so my bad. <laughs> no, no, no worries, no worries. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. I do want to ask you one question though. Uh, with Bellator, uh, do they, they did mention that Rampage versus King Mo Two will take right. place? Do you like this fight? Well, you know what? I thought that, that uh, K-Mo got robbed in the first fight. I thought it was a pretty clear win for Mo over Rampage. So I, I'm fine with the rematch. Uh, 
I'm just, I just don't know what kind of shape Rampage is going to show up in. You talk about a guy who just looking for some money these days. He's just showing up for a paycheck. I, although I, I know King Mo got knocked out by, by Krokop on the card you called Ryzen. Um, I do believe Mo is actually at the top of his game right now. So I, I look, I look for Mo to get a win in that fight. In terms of um, what Bellator is doing uh, in general, uh, like I, I, I love Bellator. Don't get me wrong. I love Bellator. Uh, I love the fact that King Mo can actually compete in Bellator, compete at Ryzen. Do you want to see more of a relationship between Bellator and Ryzen or no? You guys stay there. We'll stay here. We'll build our organization. I'd like to see it personally. You know, I wouldn't even mind if Belter went and did an event in Japan at Saitama. I think that'd be pretty cool. Maybe they could have some more Japanese prospects come over to Belter and, and, and uh, show their wares off to the American audience, North American audience. So overall, I, I do th- I do like that strategy of that partnership that they have going on, but I think it could be even stronger in the future. We'll see what uh, ha- they have in store for 2017, but I think um, the show you called a few weeks ago was a nice start for them. The actual – so I, I, the more I think of it and the more experience, Adam, that I get in Japan, um, I don't think any mixed martial arts organization that's not Japanese will be successful in Japan because it is a – different world over there a different culture uh and it's not that they're anti anything that is not japanese they are so pro japanese they just love their fighters they love their culture they love the way ryzen and pride did their shows they love the spectacle they love the entertainment they absolutely adore and i was having this conversation with rudolfo roman who's the cage announcer uh at titan fc um because his 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 wife i believe is japanese or half japanese so he gets over there every so often and he did watch the ryzen card and he just says i gotta ask you some questions what are your thoughts on lenny hart whenever she announces the fighters what are your thoughts on how ryzen does all the events and i'm like it's like i got goosebumps thinking about it yeah it's completely a different mindset of promoting an event there it's an actual event so every every fighter on the card is paraded out at the beginning one by one in essence you are there to watch like a um um a broadway show a broadway play behold the actors that will be performing in front of you today behold the talent Okay, then they go back, they get ready, and then when they come out to their fight, they're introduced in this grandiose manner, which is just crazy. It's unbelievable. Uh, Adam, I cannot explain to you what it's like to be in the Saitama Arena to feel and to hear it. And, and on the fly, uh, I think it was after the first fight, I, when I got into the second fight of, of the December 29th show, and it really picked up for me going into the New Year's Eve show that the best way for me to do it is, number one, the music that these fighters come out to are usually badass. So I can get to the beat. So when you have Lenny, so what I do is I wait for Lenny Hart to introduce the fighters in that just that, that, that sultry voice that she has. Okay, She does it to the beat specifically and then carries her voice. And I wait until that beat comes to a certain spot and then bang, I'll come in and I'll start talking. It's just musical. Okay. Then you get an American promotion, whether it's the UFC or Bellator, and then they come to Japan and they do what they do here in North America. The Japanese fans are like, this is boring. <laughs> this sucks. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, do you understand yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? So there, there's a space for guys like you and I that love both of them, and there's a space to appreciate, hey, you watch a UFC event, it's going to be a sport. It's bang, 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 bang. The guys are paraded out there. Get them out there, blah, 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 blah. 
fight end over. Same thing with Titan. Titan is one after, one fight after the other after the other. I've got to go to a commercial. Got to come back from a commercial. Got to tease this fight. Got to throw this to it. Dude, in Japan, bang bang. It's just this. It's so. It's completely different. It's a different way of doing a show. For example, I don't know. It, it, it's like watching a movie and watching a play. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, you know what, Joe? You're, you're making me think about Pride, man. I, I, I love Pride. Pride was my favorite promotion in MMA history by far. I'm so I'm so sad it's gone. It's been gone for, I think, about 10 years now. But uh, I still go back and watch my Pride DVDs all the time, not just because the fights are great, but I watch the intros, man. I watch the fighters walk out. I watch when they when they come onto the to the, to the stage. Um, Lenny Hart, I, one of the best ring announcers of all time in combat sports. He's amazing. I love that stuff. So I think Ryzen really brings back that Pride feel. Um, it is, I, dude. It's totally yeah, pride. It it's like pride. Right, yeah, right? it is. It is, man. I, I'm so jealous because you, you've been there, man. You, you've been there to, uh, a couple times now, actually, doing the commentating rising. I mean, that's incredible. I've never got to experience that. I hope one day I get to experience it, Joe, because just listening to you talk about it, man, and I know how much you love MMA just like me. I'd love to experience that myself one day because as much as I love North American UFC Bellator style, it's very, like you said, it's like it's like a, it's a television sport, man. It's one fight, commercial break, fight, commercial break. It's not like Pride or Rising where it's like a spectacle. It's like you said, a show. Like you're you're going for a show for the night. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I want to go watch some Pride DVDs right now. I want to go watch Pride versus Takiyama again. That's my favorite fight ever, man. So watch that one again. Well, the, the other thing is this, okay? And, and I don't want anyone taking this the wrong way, the way it's going to be verbalized. The American promoters, promotions, staff – um, in general, there's arrogance there, okay? There is a holier-than-thou sort of mentality when it comes to dealing with people that don't work for them, okay? Uh, or people that are, even even when, you know, I go back to when I was with, with Sportsnet uh, and I was their broadcast partner, but there was always a line. Hey, you're our broadcast partner. You don't work for the UFC, okay? Whereas in Ryzen, it's completely different. It doesn't matter who you are. Media, staff member, fan, they treat everybody with humility and respect, and it's the Japanese culture. You know, I, I joke around with so many people that even in, in, in Miami when I was there, I tell people all the time, when you take a look at how we're Canadian, okay, we are constantly labeled as being so polite. We say sorry, we hold the door for people, uh, even if it's not our fault, we're going to say sorry. Man, the Japanese make us Canadians look like bad human beings, okay? They are so polite. They are so nice. And it's not 100% of the culture. Let's be honest. There's, there's bad in every culture. We know that. But the way they treat you, and I'm talking about um, Takata, Sakikibara, the fighters. Like, when they see me, dude, I'm, I'm a bald guy from Canada who just happens to be their English commentator, their, their English play-by-play guy. When they see me, Adam, they yeah. stop. They stop and they walk over. How are you? How was your flight? How's your stay? Are you eating okay? Uh, can we do anything for you? And I'm like, guy, like three days ago, I was shoveling my driveway. Okay, I was putting up Christmas lights on a ladder, scared out of my tree that I'm going to fall. I got to cut my grass in the summer. I'm calling Ryzen. My, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And you guys are like still asking me. I'm feeling great, man. I'm in Japan. Like, dude, I'm not in Toronto. I'm in Japan. So they have this way of making you feel like a million dollars. All day, every day. Event comes to an end, they come looking for you. Or if there's a huge lineup, they will wait. They will say thank you to every single person. Uh, are you okay? Do you have a ride back to the hotel? Yeah, dude, I'm on the bus with 40 fighters. There's two buses that are leaving, right? They're just they just treat. Whereas 
in, the, in, in North America, it's different. You're on your own. Okay. Yeah. What are you here for? What are you doing? Where's your credential? Where are you sitting? Don't move. <laughs> You're telling me Dan White never came up to you and asked you how, you how your flight was and how your food was? I'm just joking, Joe. I know he hasn't. No, no, no. Dana has. Dana, listen, Dana, okay. Dana, I'll say this about Dana White. This-, this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Despite our relationship now is just basically, I wouldn't say null and void, uh, but you got to understand how, how Dana White works. Uh, I got a little, you know, a small understanding of it with Lex McMahon uh, over at Titan. That guy there just just busts his ass so much, but keeps everything cool, calm, and collected. Never, never loses his temper. Never. This guy has every single freaking right to snap at people, in my opinion. Although you should never snap at anyone, this guy keeps it cool, calm, and collected. Dana White. Now multiply that by hundred, okay? Because yeah. Dana White always has something going on, and it's not just. Uh, whether it's fight, it's in the octagon, outside the octagon, blah, blah. He's got a ton of things going on. So when it comes to me and his life, I'm a nobody. Like I'm, I'm not even on his radar anymore. Okay. Like he's completely forgotten who I am. In essence, he's got to deal with TSN right now. He's got to deal with them. His staff have to deal with TSN. I'm no longer on their radar. Okay. So people are like, oh, why don't you just text Dana White when you weren't getting credentialed? Well, I did text Dana White. He didn't reply. For all I know, he's got the raw. He's changed his number again for the second time, which causes problems. So Dana White doesn't react. He doesn't follow me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Never has, which I always, you know, a lot of people found weird. But he doesn't communicate with me. But I can tell you this: when he does see me, he stops and he looks over and he's like, "Holy smokes, straight on Joe!" And he gets somebody at the time would have been Dave Schaller. Uh, the last time was Tom Wright. Uh, somebody to get a hold of me and get me backstage right away. Why isn't Joe in front row? Why isn't Joe in the back? What can I do for you? Blah blah. And you know, never. That's cool. Does come through with it to be honest with you, but you know, it's just he he generally does care, but it's not like you know, it's it's anything crazy. Where like I said, in Japan, it's completely different. Now Dana White is Dana White. We all know, you know, people call him a hothead sometimes. Blah blah. Listen, the guy's dealing with multi billions now. Yeah. Uh, you know, an entity like that. So I get it, but. You know, it's just I'm, I'm just a Canadian dude. I'm just a Canadian guy living north of Toronto, doing what I have to do. He's got a million things going on. He could care less about what's happening with me. Uh, although if he did, we would have a much better product here in Canada, in my opinion. Just throwing it out there. I know I'm a little biased, Adam, but you've seen what it's like when it's gone from Sportsnet to TSN. It's a completely different uh, world here now when it comes to the Ultimate Fighting Championship in Canada. Yeah, no comment on that. I have some friends at TSN there. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought you, you know, Sportsnet. I used to write for Sportsnet, so I mean, I, I really enjoyed that relationship, but uh, it is what it is. But anyways, getting back to what you are saying about just the way you were treated backstage, I'm, I'm assuming you mean more just like, just, uh, just it's more of like a culture thing, if anything. Um, just the culture of uh, generosity in Japan, from what I've heard anyways, just judging from what you said. Uh, but like you said, it's not just the staff, it's also like the fighters themselves. It seems like people are, the fighters are more relaxed there if anything, like you see that the weigh-ins, the way they do it, or like you said, the entrances are more relaxed. Everyone's just, it's not, it's not life and death over there. It doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like you're afraid to get your pink slip the next morning if you lose a fight or something. Cause if you put on a good show, they're going to bring you back. 
So I think just based on what I've seen from the fighters, like for instance, Darren Crookshank, I know he just got submitted in his fight. Um, but you know what? He put on, he puts on good fights. He has that, that cool mustache now. The fans love that guy. Um, bring him back. Or even a guy like Bob Sapp, he was never a great fighter, but they loved him there. Whereas here, it's a bit different. It's, uh, you know, it's what you, what you did for me lately. So I can definitely see what you're saying about uh, the, culture, the culture change thing. Yeah, well, it's 100%. Like that's, you nailed it on the head right there. Completely nailed it on the head. Over, the, over here, it's you know, about wins and losses, pretty much. Where are you at? What have you done for me lately? What's going on with your career? You got to keep winning. Whereas over there, there, there's a speech that Saki Gibar gives every single fighter uh, the day of the weigh-ins, uh, or after they all weigh in, and they do the, before the medical staff starts speaking about, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, the urine tests uh, and the rules and, and stuff like that for some of the fights. He gives a speech to the fighters that is just magical, um, and we get the we get to where the earpieces and we get to hear the translation. But in essence, what he always says, uh, and it, it's unbelievable. At Ryzen, he says, we don't care if you win or lose. That has nothing to do with you coming back to Ryzen. What we care about is if you perform. He goes, the fans pay their money to watch you fight. Give them a show. You don't give them a show, win or lose, there's a good chance you won't be back. Yeah. Yeah, do they? Uh, I can't remember. Do they do cards in in Ryzen? They, they, they handle yellow cards. Yeah, so they don't like stalling, which is which I'm totally a fan of. I always thought they should have uh, more penalties for stalling, lame praying, um, you know, in in the UFC or whatever in North American fighting, I should say. But uh, yeah, no, just based on what, I, what you've been saying, I mean, it just it, it seems like it's a, a really nice place for the fighters to fight. And I'm not sure how many shows they're doing, planning on doing this year. But um, you know, some of these guys, like I said, Darren Crookshank's a great example, a guy who. Lost three fights in the row in the UFC. Lost to three great fighters and then gets cut and then he goes to rise and loses again. But he's putting on a fun show, fun, exciting show. He'll probably get another call back. Just some of these guys that the UFC lets go or even Bellator lets go over to pride, not because they're on losing streaks, but because they're exciting fighters. So I definitely like that. And I'm looking forward to that show. I think it's in April, right? The next one? I'm, I'm, yep. Yeah. And, you, and you just called the pride. Oh, I'm so... Oh, wait, <laughs> yes. What? It's the same thing, man. It's the same, <laughs> same thing. It's basically, it's Pride 2017. That's what it is. So. It, it is. It, they, we've called it Pride Revisited. Uh, Saki Barr called it. Uh, Jerry Millen on one of the broadcasts. He said, it's, it's Pride Revisited. It's Pride 2.0. Um, hence the term Ryzen. All right, right. Right? It's Ryzen. Sun rises in Japan, blah, blah, blah. The <laughs> land of the rising sun, Ryzen. It's coming back. So it is back. Um, I, w- I was just thinking about something. Sure. I'm going to text John McCarthy after the show. The one thing that you mentioned right now about how they don't like stalling, okay? They don't like stalling um, with the fights in Japan. The referee is on them right away. There's another thing the referee does, and I think we can bring it here to the Unified Rules of Mixed Martial Arts, especially under the Association of Boxing Commissions. The referees are so educated in Ryzen. Why? If there's a submission attempt in the fight, the referee automatically, if I'm not mistaken, he yells, shoot. And shoot. He puts this. Right. Shoot wrestling. Shoot right. fighting. So if a submission attempt is on, he then points and he's like, shoot. In essence to say, there's a submission going on. If all three judges see that, then guess what? There's a fighter trying to finish the fight. And that should be something that is awarded on the scorecards. Your thoughts? 100%, Joe. That's one of the things that I've thought that the unified rules have always missed out on. A fighter trying to finish a fight should, should get a lot of points for that as far as the scoring goes. Not points, but they should have a better chance to win that round. 
Um, and I like the fact that they do like raise their arm or whatever and say, you know, there's a submission attempt. Although I will say back in the real pride, um, I remember, I can't remember the referee's, uh, name. The, what's the name guy's name? Uh, Sh- Shugi, uh, I can't remember his name, but you know, he's like, give up, give up, give up. Like, I don't, I don't know if they're still, I don't know if they're still doing that, but I'm not a huge fan of that. But I just want to say like, getting back to our conversation last week about judging, like you mentioned, Joe, it's sometimes with, with the way that the cages are set up, sometimes the judges don't have a monitor. Sometimes they can't see. So if so, uh, the guy's choking a guy and the judge is behind them, they, maybe you can't see it. But if the referee's like signaling for a submission attempt, hey, guys, there's a submission attempt going on. This fighter's trying to finish the fight, um, you know, just so you're aware of it. Because sometimes you can't see it in the cage. I think that's a good thing. So, yeah, I, I like, I agree with everything you said there for sure. All right, Big John, if you're watching this, uh, you're going to get, Something from this shortly. Um, so we go to Titan. So I go to Titan FC, um, an event that started with ten fights. It ended up going down to seven fights at the weigh-ins. Okay, a lot of things happened at the weigh-ins. Unfortunately, I wasn't there to see it all go down because by the time I flew in, they had already left to Fort Lauderdale uh, to get on that. Uh, she's a ten, just amazing yacht adam like i can't this thing is ridiculous uh, go on my instagram if you haven't seen just some of the footage uh it, it this thing is stupid it's unbelievable i mean I, I, to go on that thing is, is one thing but uh i've been on it before uh they did the weigh-ins they went down from 10 fights to seven fights but one of the fights was the co-main event fight where vulcan Ozdemir. okay he was supposed to fight in the co-main event to crown the uh, versus an opponent, they were they were going to crown the first uh, or, or, or the heavyweight champion for Titan. Just hours before the show, Lex McMahon gets a call from the UFC. They're looking for an opponent at two hundred five uh, for OSP. They wanted Vulcan. Yep. They'd already lost two fights. Yep. Now they're about to lose a third. So what do Jeff Aronson and, and Lex McMahon say to the UFC? Hell yeah, take him. Gone. There's a guy that hasn't competed in Titan. It's the third time they tried to get him to fight in Titan, and it wasn't happening. Right at the way he's supposed to weigh in, gone. He's gone to the UFC. Titan lets him go. Uh, they're getting a lot of props from a lot of people right now uh, in terms of, of allowing Vulcan to leave leave Titan and go to the UFC. I mean, you got to think that's they're taking a hit, but they're allowing their fighter, and they've always stuck by their word: fans, fighters first allowing Vulcan to actually go to the UFC now. Yeah. No, and, and this was this is something Jeff uh, Jeff Aronson said the whole time. He said, you know, if if a fighter if the, if the UFC calls me and asks for a fighter, he's gone. He's going to the UFC. We're not blocking that. We have no we have no problem with that. In fact, we encourage it. So even though uh, Vulcan, like you said, he never even I don't even think he fought in Titan, right? So even though like he never even fought in Titan, but they still they were still were like, "Hey, you know what? We need this co-main event. We only have seven we're, we're down to eight fights. But you know what? This kid this, kid, this is this kid's dream. We're not going to block him and stop him from doing it. We don't want him getting hurt in this fight and not having the opportunity. You know what? The fight's canceled. Go on to the UFC. Um, I, I, you know, I think the, the OSP matchup is a pretty difficult matchup in your UFC debut on like short notice, but it's a foot in the door. So that kid got a really good chance. And light heavyweight division is so shallow right now that, you know, if this kid goes in there and beats OSP, oh, he's yeah. in UFC now, right? So, what, you know what? And to be honest, when this happened, when I saw the, the the fight got changed, I was like, why didn't they call Misha Serkinov? That's the fight I thought they should have made. But apparently Misha's not even in Canada right now. I, I think he might be back home or something. So I guess that's probably why I didn't do it because I think he deserves a big fight. Misha does. So we'll see. But it's a really good opportunity for for, uh, for Vulcan because OSP is a guy that's, in my opinion, on the decline, on the downside. And, and if you know this kid can go in there and beat him, that's, that's a huge fight, top 10. And 
You never know who gets next. Maybe he fights a guy like Gustafson or Glover Sherry. Light heavyweight is that shell. There's no contenders, Joe. There's no one. There's no used, one. It used to be the division. I know. Rampage, Machida, Shogun. And, and finished everyone, and, and now he's out. But then it's just, it's just it's Jones who's out. DC, Rumble. You might be, you might be able to include Gustafson in there. I don't know if if you can anymore because he's lost a couple of fights and doesn't look the same. And then I guess Ryan Bader. But Ryan Bader's maybe going to Bellator. Phil Davis is already in Bellator, and that's it. You still have Shogun ranked like number seven in the world. This and he's completely shot at this point. So, you know, they need new blood. And and but getting back to what you said about Titan, that's like I said, one, the the one thing I've always respect about their shows besides the fact that they usually put on a, a really good show, but. But they really have stuck by that that mantra of uh, fans fighters first, and I think that's something you pick up for sure. So speaking of opportunities uh, in the main event, uh, Jose Shorty Torres, uh, who you know at the beginning of the broadcast, right uh, before his fight and afterwards, uh, I made it pretty clear. He's not just the best prospect at 125 pounds in MMA. I do believe, firmly believe, uh, based on some of the research that I've done, that he is just a bit above everybody all the prospects in mixed martial arts. I think he is number one. And he goes on and defends his title for the very first time uh, against Pedro Nobre, a veteran of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, a guy that's gone the distance with Timothy Elliott, uh, a guy in his last fight versus Sid Bice went the distance there. Uh, and then Shorty, in less than two minutes, finishes him. Now, people could say it's controversy. Uh, the, 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 the actual finish happened about, I would say, 10 feet to my left, to me and, and Kamara Usman's left. Uh, and what we saw was, because um, people people forget what a referee's job is. The referee's job is there for the fighter's safety. Fighters, yeah. okay? Number one. So after he gets dropped, he gets, I think he got dropped with a right uppercut. And then he started, and then what's his name? Um, Shorty goes down to, to start laying bombs. And then you see um, uh, Nobre's head kind of go back. And then at one point, does this. For a split second. Eyes roll back. Referee at that point jumps in. And by the time he gets from where he was to where the fight is ending, 200 things happened. Okay. Now, it wasn't like he was slow because he was yelling stop. So as soon as as Nobre's head went back and kind of the eyes rolled back, referee goes in. Shorty's still punching, wakes him up. And as he wakes up, Nobre grabs um, Shorty. Okay. So people are like, no, let it go, let it go. Look, he'd already been taking shots. He'd already been taking abuse. Not all of them were landing, but he was already taking abuse. Eyes roll back, fight over. Referee is going to stop the fight. The referee's job is not to ensure that the, 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 the guy's punching him more to wake him up. He's there to save him. Yeah. Okay, because there's a good chance he's not going to wake up. He's out, and that's what your job is. You stop the fight. But by the time he got there, Nobre wakes up, wants to continue the fight, super upset. His corner man were like, look, we had him over here. He was out. What I'm trying to say is this. Shorty Torres does what Timothy Elliott couldn't do to Pedro Nobre. They went 25 minutes. Shorty, in his fourth professional fight, and this guy here, I think he's, he's 20, he was 24-1 and one or 25-1 and one, uh, in amateur MMA. Okay, he was the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation champion. Okay, This guy here built his, his career, built his record, built his experience at the amateur level first, then comes in as a pro and is 4-0. And then after the fight, does what he does, Lex McMahon grabs the phone, shows it to the camera in the middle of the post-fight interview and says, hey, Dana White, you better answer your phone. This guy, in my opinion, I know he's only four fights in. This guy belongs in the UFC at 125 pounds. 
hey, man, he's one of the top-rated prospects in the world right now, regardless of division. And flyweight desperately needs new contenders. Um, like you said, Pedro Nobe is a guy who's been around the block. He's been in the, he fought in the UFC. He fought in, in Titan FC. Like you said, he went 25 minutes with Tim Elliott, who actually just put up a really competitive fight with Demetrius Johnson, for what it's worth. So for this kid to, to go in there and do that um, is very impressive. And, and you mentioned the stoppage. Um, like you said, Joe, I think a lot of people do forget that the, the, the referee's job is not to give the fighter a chance, quote-unquote. It's to protect the fighters. And sometimes you got to protect them from themselves. And I know the fans want to see blood and the fans want to see, you know, a, a stone-cold knockout. But if this guy got KO'd and then woke back up, that's happened before. The fight's got the – fight, the fight ends in a split second. The referee has to make a very quick judgment call. And it's, it's a very difficult job. I think people don't realize how, being, how difficult being a mixed martial arts referee is. You know, you're making a decision – like just like that, snap of a finger. So um, it, it's unfortunate the way it ended, but the, he got the win four no now in MMA. He's only been a pro fighter for like over a year now, which is in, which is insane to think about. Um, so I, I'm just curious now if if he takes another fight in Titan FC or if he just goes straight to the big show because I do believe that there's a lot of winnable fights for him in the flyweight division. I think he goes in there, for instance, a guy like John Moraga, former title challenger, just fought Sergio Pettis last week. I think I think Torres probably goes there and beats him. You know, so I think there's definitely a spot for him in the UFC right now. And um, it'll be interesting to see what he does, because based on the way he, he fought as an amateur, almost like you said, 20 plus fights as an amateur, it seems like he's a smart kid and he's not trying to rush himself. But at this point, it's, it seems like he's good enough to be there. All right. We've gone about 45 minutes. We've barely talked about the UFC. All right. Let's talk about it. We're going to talk real quickly about the UFC. We'll do some rapid fire here. Uh, there's an event this Saturday. Obviously, it's um, Shevchenko versus Pena. We'll go through two of the cards on the preliminary, or two of the bouts on the preliminary card uh, and the full main card here. So rapid fire time. Bantamweight will kick things off. Rafael Asuncao, Aljamain Sterling, your quick assessment. Good fight. Definitely a good fight. Both guys pretty underrated, if you ask me. But uh, I'm going to go with Sterling in this fight. He's 10 years younger. He's a better athlete. And uh, I know he lost to Brian Carey in his last fight, but I, I truly believe that this guy is improving every time we see him. I expect a lot better from him than his last showing. Suntel is a good fighter, but I think that Sterling is going to win decision in this fight. Uh, my my assessment is uh, don't count out Asuncao just yet, uh, and I'm only saying that because I'm, every one of these fights that we're going through right now, I haven't properly done my my usual assessment, and I usually do that uh, on Fridays, and that's usually after I speak uh, with Reed Kuhn. Um, we'll, we'll figure something out here, but I'm, I'm, I've always been uh, an Asuncao fan. Obviously, I love Rafael. Uh, Freddie's our champion uh, over at Titan at lightweight. So, yeah, so I love the Asensal brothers, but Al Jermaine is is a bad dude. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see what happens there. Uh, the final fight of the prelim broadcast, Nate Marquardt, who I can't figure out again, uh, and Samana Sam Elvey. Yeah, I mean, Nate Marquardt looked amazing in his last fight, knocking out Tandem McCurry. I was really surprised by that. He's got two knockout wins in his last three fights. So um, he's definitely on a bit of a hot streak right now. But at the same time, he's been KO'd four times in his last eight fights. And I was doing the research before I came on, Joe. That's why I know this stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I was just writing an article about it, so I, I went through all the fights myself. Sam Elvey's on a three-fight win streak right now. He's 6-3 uh, and three in the UFC, five finishes. Sam Alvey is one of the most underrated knockout artists in, in the sport. And I know he's got the dad bod and he doesn't really look like much of a fighter, but man, that guy could crack. I think he goes in there. I think he KOs Marco in the first round. First bout of the main broadcast, we have Alexis. Or, oh, God. I've done this before interviewing him. Yeah. I've called him Alexis Caceres, and I don't know why. He just was fighting in the UFC before, um, Alexis Caralexis. Alex Caralexis. Yeah. So it just, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> 
Oh, Bruce Leroy yeah. taking on Jason Knight. Yeah, I call him Jason Fight of the Night because, man, this guy's always in exciting fights. And so is Caceres, to be, to be fair. This is a really good scrap. I, I, I think it's a good choice for the opening main card bout. I'm going to go with Jason Knight here, though. I think he's been pretty impressive lately. I know he lost to uh, – I believe he lost to Kawajiri. Or, sorry, not Kawajiri. Who did he lose to? Uh, yeah, it was Kawajiri, right? So that's that's his only loss. But uh, overall, I think he's been pretty solid. And, and Caceres, he's kind of inconsistent. So I'm going to go with Jason Knight here. I don't know if I really want to see the next fight. Arlovsky versus Francis Ngannou. I think Nagano knocks him out in the first round. I, I think it's going to be quick and brutal. I think this guy's going to be the future heavyweight champion, man. I, I truly believe in this kid. This kid, I shouldn't say kid. He's thirty years old, but for for the heavyweight division, that's a prospect because most of the guys in the top ten are in their late thirties, if not forties. This guy's a freak athlete. He improves rapidly every single fight. His last fight goes in there against Anthony Hamilton, former MFC, MFC champion. So he, he tapped him out in, in about a minute with a Kimura. Super impressive. Guys, four zero in the UFC. Four four finishes. Arlovsky's lost three straight fights. Arlovsky's chain is completely gone at this point. It's not good for, for Arlovsky, man. Not good at all. Did you see the picture a while ago on my Instagram with me, Francis, uh, Nganu, and Kamara Usman when Kamara introduced me to him? The guy's no, I didn't. How much bigger is he than you? <laughs> the guy's a beast, man. He's the guy is a monster. 6'4", 265, and his reach is 83 inches, which is about as long as Stefan Struve. So this guy is a freak athlete. I think we've been waiting for a guy like this for the longest time in MMA. And the crazy thing is, I was reading about his biography on UFC.com, and he said, it's like, how did you get started fighting? He's like, I was bored, so I just started training MMA one day. <laughs> started training three years ago, Joe, in 2013. He's already 9-1 and one in his career, man. He's, he's, he's really good. I tell people this story all the time. So whenever uh, it, it was it was showtime – I always wear the, the uh, pocket square, right? And, you know, I want to make sure my tie's straight. He kept coming over to ensure that me and Kamaro were looking good. And he would adjust my tie to make sure if it was slightly to the left, slightly to the right. And he would make sure my pocket square was aligned. Because I, I like wearing the – I don't like putting up the, the flower. I like having it aligned. So he would sit there and he would adjust it. And literally, it looked like a keyboard just <laughs> on my chest. And then when he would grab my, my the knot on my tie – I mean, I can't even tell you how the guy's hands are like the yeah. size of my face. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, please don't choke me. I'm about to go on the air in five, four. The guy and just a gentle giant. And yeah. then we were joking actually the day before. Um, I just asked him to put out his reach. I would, I would, I want to see what it would look like to kind of bob and weave on it. No. He goes, you, you can try a bob and weave underneath this, Joe. And then you've got this thing right here. You think I'm right, Joe? You think he's a future champion? He's got the ability. Yeah, he's got the ability. We just got to see the, the only problem with guys at heavyweight, in my opinion, uh, when you fight, when you get to that level above in and around Cain Velasquez and in and well, Cain Velasquez is always injured, but you, you know what I'm saying? Cain Velasquez yeah, uh, and Stipe Miocic, you got to have cardio. Yeah. Uh, and in my opinion, uh, for someone to be a champion, generally speaking, in mixed martial arts, for the vast majority, you got to have your heart tested. You gotta have. You gotta go through a war. You gotta go through adversity. You gotta show a champion's heart. John Jones showed a champion's heart against Vitor Belfort when he had his arm popped in front of our faces uh, at the Air Canada Center. He continued to win. He continued to fight, and he emerged victorious. That's the heart of a champion. Uh, you need to see that. You need to see adversity. So, uh, or you could just be dominant like Ngano and then never have your heart tested. But eventually, you're going to get tested. That's just the way uh, mixed martial arts is. And speaking of guys who've been in wars, who've been tested numerous occasions, uh, the, the co-main event, Donald Cerrone taking on George Masvidal. Man, another great scrap. Well, I love both these guys. They're both awesome fighters. But I got to go with Donald Cerrone here, man. The guys looked like a world beater at 170. 4-0 at 170, four straight finishes. 
last fight, UFC 206, you were you were cage side, Joe. That head kick knockout of Matt Brown, absolutely vicious knockout. Cerrone's an, an incredible finisher. Um, I was looking at his record in the UFC. He's 19-4 and four in the UFC. He's 12-1 and one in his last 13 fights. He's a very, very, very good fighter, an elite fighter. Um, I love Masvidal too, but the problem with Masvidal is he often will let his opponent kind of dictate the pace, and sometimes he won't throw volume, and he loses a split decision, then he goes and complains about it afterwards. It happens so often. Love the guy. I think he's a great fighter, but I think Cerrone's just on top of his game right now. I don't think he finishes Masvidal. I think Masvidal has shown incredible durability in his career, but uh, I think Cerrone's going to win a decision in this fight. Uh, in attendance at Titan FC was UFC bantamweight champion Amanda Nunes, who basically almost ran that crowd in there. Everywhere she went, people wanted pictures. Uh, and then you know her girlfriend Nina was kind of following her around. And it, it was the, it was the Amanda Nunes show when the fights weren't going on. I'll just say that. Uh, but it's her division that is the main event uh, on Saturday. Valentina Shevchenko taking on Juliana Pena, a women's main event in the location of where the UFC was born. Yeah, I think that's really fantastic. But do you a who do you think will emerge victorious here, and b will they get that title shot? Well, first of all, I, I think that personally, I would have went with Cerrone versus Masvidal as the main event because, well, I just think it's a better fight. But I do like this fight; it's a good matchup, and I do believe the winner will, will get the title shot against Nunez, particularly particularly if it's Pena because she hasn't fought Nunez yet. Whereas Shevchenko did fight her last year and lost a, a pretty close decision, but she lost. Um, this is a good fight, Joe. It's a pretty tough one to call. I could really see it going either way, honestly, because I, Julia, Juliana Pena, her wrestling's very, very good, and she won the Ultimate Fighter. I've been been a fan of her ever since she went in there and beat Shayna Baszler, who I have a lot of respect for, in the tough house. And she's looked great in the UFC. She just beat Kat Singano. But Shevchenko went out there against Holly Holm in her last fight, and she looked like an elite fighter. Her striking looked incredible. She has good wrestling base, too. Like I said, she lost to Nunez, but now that we know Nunez, how good she is, it's not that bad of a loss. I think Shevchenko wins the fight. I think she wins a pretty competitive fight, wins the decision, but it it could go either way. I do think the winner should get a title shot, though. Perfect. Thank you very much. All right. Anything else you want to say before we let you go? No, that's it, man. Just uh, the viewers can follow me on Twitter at MMMadMartin. I'm always tweeting about MMA, so please follow me on there. And as always, Joe, I love coming on the show, man. So thanks for having me on. There you have it, Adam Martin. Make sure you do follow him online, MM Adam Martin. And of course, yours truly at Showdown Joe. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. Tomorrow, Elias Theodora will join me, likely around 3 p.m. I will confirm because, as you all know, this is a man that travels all over the globe. He was in LA our first show. A week later, he's in Montreal. I got no idea where this guy is. I'll text him to see where he is. But as it stands right now, we will aim for a 3 p.m. Fightful MMA podcast tomorrow. If that changes, Make sure you follow us online at Showdown Joe as well as at Fightful MMA. Thank you, everyone. Have yourselves a wonderful day. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.